Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you're listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. With me this week is Mr. Jim Corley from both Arizona and Oregon. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Hey, Mike. So, uh, Jim, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I know a few of the titles that you go by and things, but um, for the interested uh, community, could you please let us know your age, your um, where you grew up, and what generation you think you belong to? I was born in 1944. Um, I grew up in California. I'm not sure this generation thing uh, holds water, but um, Wikipedia calls um, my generation the silent generation or builders is how the Australians describe it. But a book about my generation called us the lucky few. I'm going to stick with that one. Nice. I like it. Where'd you say you grew up? California. We, I grew up in a poor drinking class family, so we moved a lot. I lived in uh, San Jacinto, San Diego, Sacramento, back to San Jacinto, went to college in San Francisco. So all over. Awesome. And I know some of the details of these stories, but um, I want to get into the overall concept of like what you think about death and how that affects the way you live. But I really think our audience should know like you're extremely incredible background in my opinion with with religion and philosophy so let's just get straight to it were your parents religious and were you raised raised religious no i think there was always the idea that there was a god out there somewhere but the most religious thing we ever did was sing christmas carols awesome and the reason i think that's uh sort of interesting and funny is what would you say your main occupation has been throughout your life um i was a pastor for 40 some years Wow. Okay. Uh, could you please explain to us what led you from a family that basically sung Christmas carols here and there to a pastor of your own congregation? Yeah, um, that, that's quite a story, and it could take a long time. Um, quickly— um, I'll, I'll slow you down if I want you to slow down, and then you just kind of give the like general two-minute version if you can. Two-minute version. Okay. I was 19, I stuck my hand in a table saw in an industrial accident. I laid in the hospital uh, for like four days. And while I'm there, I'm trying to figure out what what's going on. What, what do you mean by what's going on? Do you mean philosophically? Do you mean like literally medically? Yeah, philosophically. What What's going on here? Why Why me? Why this? Why now? And... I I remember saying out loud, God, if you're trying to get my attention, I'm listening. Um, and I heard no voices, no lights or anything, but um, a friend of mine was had been basically forced at gunpoint to go to church. His stepfather was a former Marine Corps sergeant who used to go to the bar where my dad was a part-time bartender. And... Uh, Harry is known as lucky at the time. He would drink and then get mean and fight with people. And one night he came into the bar and said, I met Jesus and I'm not coming back. And people said, Yeah, Harry, don't lucky, don't worry about it. He said, My name is not Lucky, my name is Harry. Don't call me that anymore. 
and everybody's like, whoa, okay. But anyway, Carrie forced Chuck to go to to uh, church, and he invited me to come along with him. He said, there's a lot of cute girls there. So I started going to church and hearing stuff that kind of made sense, that there was a God out there and that that he communicated with us. And that that made sense to me. Um, and they somebody started um, like um, a gathering for people who were not in college, but were college age people. And uh, I joined the group and the people leading it were going to go to a college in San Francisco. It's called Simpson Bible College. I had always wanted to go to San Francisco. I missed a field trip in junior high by by oversleeping and I walked around the corner to get on the bus and I saw the bus driving away and it was very traumatic. Anyway, I wanted to go to San Francisco. I wound up applying to Simpson Bible College and um, was accepted academically. My high school academic career was uh, less than scintillating and they accepted me on academic probation and uh, one of the things I had to fill out was, are you a Christian? And I'm like, well, I'm not a Buddhist, uh, sure. But when I got to the college, it seemed to me there was a big difference between the people I encountered there and uh, the people, uh, well, the person I was. And so I resolved, well, when I go home this summer, I'm just going to stay. I'm not coming back here. When I got back, the pastor of the church that I had started attending saw um, a a young adult go off to Bible college, come back, and he said, he gave me the Sunday school material for the college class and said, I want you to teach the college class. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. But he was persuasive. I'm getting lost in the details, I think. But this is actually really compelling, and this is why I wanted you as as a guest. Um, Like I said, one of the reasons is because your transition from just – normal guy in California, dad's a part-time bartender to a pastor of more than 40 years is, is very interesting. And then after that, I'll get into the other side of, you know, metaphysics. Okay. I attempted to teach a Sunday school class of college students. Um, some of them were like going to UCLA and Cal Poly. I'm half of a freshman. I went to one once I went to college in January, so I had one term of Bible college, and I it was just it was a huge fraud. It was just a it was a disaster, and like the fourth Sunday, I didn't even go. I didn't call anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I just at home. I at my apartment. I finally prayed and said, God, I'm this is. This is just a joke. I've made a mess of my life. This is a fraud of me teaching this class. I I give up. I quit. I surrender to you. And I just felt a huge relief, um, like something something clicked inside of me. It it changed. So. I, when I knew church was over and I knew the pastor usually after lunch had it, took a nap 
and like four o'clock in the afternoon, I went to his house with the Sunday school material in hand and said, listen, I've, I think I've just um, become a Christian just now. So this is obviously a joke, a big mistake. So here's the material, I quit. And he looked at me and he said, when you came in here, I could see something has changed. And I think you are qualified now and handing this material back. And I want, I want you to teach the class. I, I would have to say my life restarted right there. It's like a giant reboot. Wow. Can you um, specifically, I want to jump back in time, but it's, it's the same kind of question. That sense of relief you felt. So you, you, first of all, you, before this accident for your hand, you just didn't really think about religion. Then it got to the point where in a hospital room and as you're recovering, you're curious about why something like that would happen. So you do form a relationship with what you believe is God. And now you're involved in a Christian community, but you still don't feel connected to that community, just more God. So in that moment, do you feel that God, that sense of relief was, was somehow God or some force beyond you? Yes. And so what would you tell an audience member? Cause there are many who are either oppositional to that or don't believe it, or just, it's never happened to them. I would, I would have to say that I'm not the only person I've ever encountered. I've in fact encountered people everywhere I've been. Um, and I've traveled quite broadly, uh, who have had not that same experience, but similar experiences where they would say, um, whatever their circumstances, my life started over right there. Um, so I, I would say this is not unique to me. And uh, I connect it to Jesus. I mean, just and a, a kind of surrender um, to God, to Jesus. Uh, that's, I would say it's rooted in that. I don't know if I answered that question. You kind of did. I'm a little lost because I personally wasn't raised religious. So our, our G and again, I don't want this to turn into like a, a history series or a lecture, but I do find it interesting. So is Jesus like in your head, is he a real guy who lived on earth, but he's the son of God or is he a spirit and a soul and an incarnation? Like, how would you explain what Jesus is the way you just used him? Yeah, I would say Jesus is the Son of God uh, who lived on earth, who uh, lived a, a remarkable life and died. Um, what can only be imagined as a hideous death, but that um, his sacrifice changed changed the course of history and and my personal history so what what percent sure are you that when you die you were right and jesus was really what you just described and christianity really is the truth well i would say jesus is the truth and i would say christianity that term christian or christianity has so much so many his, historical accretions so many different interpretations in people's minds that uh, I used to call myself a Christian, but now I say I'm trying to follow Jesus and I don't do it well, but that's what I'm trying to do. 
And I love that answer, and that's 100% why you're on this podcast, um, because you have a sense of humility, but also a real presence. Um, and I know that this is a podcast, so people can't see your presence or feel it, maybe, but you you seem calm and confident and anything but cocky. Um, do, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I have lots of reasons to be humble. Um, and so... Let's get into that. Let's get into your life and your life approach and everything. Um, you listed a dizzying array, a dizzying number of relatives, meaning uh, offspring, and it was awesome. And as someone who's, um, spoiler alert, my wife is pregnant right now, and we're having a kid in a few months, and I'm so excited. So what what has led you to live your life the way you've led it, and what was it like being a pastor with a family and children? Well, our kids all came very quickly. Um before the oldest one was five, our fourth one was born. So we went around in a herd. It was fun. It was crazy. It was uh, lots of laughter, lots of tears. Are all of your children religious? Yeah, I'm not sure about what that means exactly. I would say that they all followed Jesus, yeah. And... Um... Along the way, those 43 years, have you ever had your faith tested? Yeah, yeah, there were times. Um, I was um, pastor in a church. One of my kids came home uh, after, um, I guess we'd call it a moral failure. I was, I was leading a Bible study group of uh, doctors, physicians. It's kind of weird that um, if you're a parent, and your children make a mistake, you wonder, first of all, we all are responsible for our choices, and I know that, but I'm also like, what could I have done better? What could I have changed that would have helped this child so that they didn't encounter this kind of difficulty? And I, I really struggled over that for a while. And interestingly, this Bible study group had been convened by an executive that's in a wealthy neighborhood. One guy was the head of the pediatrics department of the hospital. One guy was the head of the surgical faculty at the university. One guy was the chief of police. Anyway, they when we started the group, um, one person said, well, I'm an atheist. One guy said, I'm a humanist. And none of them were particularly religious, but this executive had started this group. Anyway, this group that wasn't particularly uh, religious, spiritual, would get together every two weeks. And they were the people who were most encouraging and supportive as I went through that struggle. It was, it was really fun. And I would say that going through that struggle was good for me, but I think them watching me struggle like they struggled seemed to help them. Most of them, I would say now, they're following Jesus too. That's awesome. So I was taught, and I would say falsely, I'm just going to throw it out that I think this was, I was falsely taught this, that Christianity and especially Catholicism, but both, is an inherently... Uh, fear-based religion where you're supposed to fear hell and that's the reason you have good behavior. Or you could phrase it, the reason you have good behavior is because you get to go to heaven. How would you address both of those statements? I think 
fear uh, is not a primary motivation for me. Um, Jesus has recruited me to be part of his desire to set the world straight, and I get the privilege of being involved, and that's really cool. That is really cool. And so what, as a, as a human, as a man, as a father, as a husband, all of these things, uh, when, you're, when you're tested, not with your faith, but rather with a situation that makes you angry or upset or negative, and like you just kind of don't want to uphold the, the teachings of Jesus, because you even phrased it, you said, you know, you try, but you're not really doing it to follow Jesus. So what do you do in those moments when you're really tested? Um, well, sometimes I cry and sometimes I cuss. <laughs> what else could I do? Uh, but I also pray and I have the sense that God hears me, whether I'm crying or cussing or just like frustrated. And so, so you started out not religious, you became religious and you sound differently religious than most people I meet, especially someone with a title, like a pastor. What do you feel that you're a little different from some of your peers or do you not see that? Are you saying, do I feel odd? <laughs> yeah. Within you, the community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, sometimes I feel odd, but I, I have encountered an awful lot of people that others would term religious who are much more spiritual than I am, much more gifted and better at following Jesus than I am. So it's not like me feeling like, um, like I'm a cut above or something. Yeah. So, and that, again, I, I said that you're very humble, but like, it's real. It's not like the fake kind. And so with that, what I'm going to just ask the very most direct question that I always ask at some point on this podcast. So what do you think happens when you die? Um, well, uh, there's a separation between the body and um, me, the spirit, soul, whatever you call it. And for intermediate state um i'm without my body and at some time in the future um there's a resurrection like jesus's resurrection and i get a new body back and i live on a renewed earth and i'm like really looking forward to that because i i read an article a while back about how we peak at different ages like um, your brain processing power peaks at age 18 and your life satisfaction peaks at like 71 and your vocabulary peaks at anyway, at different ages. And I think, uh, in this new body, I'm reaching, I'm starting, um, at a place that exceeds all my previous peaks all at once. And I'm really looking forward to that. That's very cool. So I have two questions related to that. Um, the first is, would you be shocked, surprised, uh, horrified if that's not true? Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm counting on it. <laughs> so you are counting on it. Good, good, good. And this is the second question. Do you care if other people agree with you? Um, I care if people 
agree with me about holding Jesus in high esteem, um, but I don't even agree with me all the time. So, yeah, I'm, it's not not important to me that they agree with me about everything. And you and I have talked, and so I know I can say as much as this, I'm not Christian. Um, and does that in any way like affect our friendship? Has it ever? Would you ever let it? Uh, no. Um, um, in fact, uh, a Chinese friend um, approached me when I was living in Dayton, Ohio. He was working on his PhD, and he said, I want you to disciple me as far as following Jesus. And I said, okay. So we met for like almost three years at Denny's Tuesday mornings at 6.30. And he um, wasn't able to get his degree. He felt it was some kind of prejudice against Chinese. I don't know. He moved to Toronto. Uh, he was terminally ill because as a, a teenager, uh, he was a bad boy and got uh, hepatitis C. And he called me and asked me to do his funeral. And while I was in Toronto visiting him, he passed away. I did his funeral, and at his at a dinner uh, for his family and friends, I was sitting at this table at this restaurant. Across from me sat um, a guy named Raymond, who was a banker from New York City, Chinese guy, who was dating my friend Frank's sister. And his Raymond's wife lived in New York City, but when he would do business in Toronto, he was cohabitating with Frank's sister. And I said to Raymond, if Jesus was here at the table with us, do you think he would rather spend time talking to you or with me? And he said, well, obviously you. And I said, I don't think so. It was the religious people who killed Jesus. And I think... He loved hanging out with just regular people, not necessarily people who agreed with him. So I think he'd rather talk with you. And he, he laughed and said, well, that's because he's your boss. <laughs> so my point is, if I'm following Jesus, Jesus never um, discriminated in a negative sense against anyone, whether they agreed with him or not. Cool. That's very profound for me to think about. Um, and so I, I am running. I see the time slipping away and I feel like I barely got into like the uh, tip of the iceberg of what I wanted to talk about, which is just the way that you accept people, accept life, but also have like this determination inside of you. And so I guess I, I do want from you, I want solicited advice for people who are suffering, people who are scared, and people who don't have faith in a higher power, do you have any advice for them? And this is kind of my last question for you. And then, of course, anything you want to add? Yeah, um, I would say um, check out Jesus. Um, get a hold of a Bible and look into it. If If not, maybe just pray and ask God, are you there? If you are, please show show me um, yourself. Disclose yourself to me somehow. I think that's going to eventually lead to Jesus, but maybe start there. That's cool. I like that a lot. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I am a fan of seeing signs of greatness beyond what I think we scientifically detect and know. I, I guess that's the most 
fair way to say it. Um, I do believe in something beyond all this, and and I hear that in your answer. And I think you know I've had very dark times, and that would have helped me. But I also think I, I naturally kind of did what you did in that hospital scene where I did like at one point just throw my hands up in the air and I said, this is when I was 18 and I had a scary experience. And I just remember being like, is this it? Am I going to die? <laughs> um, yeah. So, wow. I'm, uh, again, I'm so thankful. Uh, I am definitely had to have a list of people I might have revisit. So I'm going to call you pastor Jim and I'm going to tell our audience that pastor Jim might be returning. But thank you so much for putting another nail in the coffin. Is there anything you want to add? Um, I I love what you're doing, and I'm thinking only from the mind of Oppenheim. <laughs> that is awesome. I might put that. I wish I had an intro because that would be a great quote. So uh, thank you. This has been a wonderful podcast, and as always, you are listening to Coffin Talk: Exit Interviews with the Living. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and we'll see you soon. Walking alone. I walk into you.